Good evening, everyone. Hello. Welcome to our school district meeting. This is the regular meeting of the Shawnee Mission School District Board of Education, October 28th. Thank you for being here this evening. Our first item is the Pledge of Allegiance, and we will welcome the students from Oak Park Carpenter. Please stand. Thank you. Well done. And Mrs. Morgan, would you like to introduce our guests today? Uh, yes, the guests are going to introduce themselves, and that was a little fast for us because at the elementary we have five-year-olds, so we say the pledge really slow. So we had a hard time keeping up with everybody. I am Jonas Bobbitt. Hi. I'm Kate Uniak. In what grade? Six. Okay, thanks. I'm Chet Salisbury, and I'm also in the sixth grade. I'm John Kermer, and I'm also in the sixth grade. Malia Adams, and I'm also in the sixth grade. I'm Lydia Uniak, and I'm in sixth grade. Noah Lenahan, and I'm in sixth grade. I'm Dylan Randall, and I am also in sixth grade. I I'm Hassan Hamayun, and I'm also in sixth grade. I am Kristen Bean, and I am their student council sponsor. Excellent job, boys and girls. Thank you. Well done. Thank you. And as I extend to every group the opportunity to stay for the meeting, however, I heard they are going for ice cream, so that sounds a little better. Thank you for being here. Um, before we begin the next item to adopt the agenda, I just wanted to pass along that uh, as a board and as a district, we passed our, on our condolences to um, Mike Fulton and his wife, Katie. Uh, Katie's mother passed away recently, and they're together with family uh, at the services uh, wrapping up this weekend. So we're thinking about Mike Fulton and his wife, Katie, uh, who went through the weekend with the services that they participated in, and that's why he's not here this evening. With that, I'll seek a motion to adopt tonight's agenda. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 And those opposed, nay. And that passes six to zero. First item is the uh, approval of the minutes of the special meeting uh, legal matters. Seek a motion to approve. So moved. Thank Second. you, Dr. Sinclair. Thank Second. you, Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Opposed, nay. And that passes six to zero. The next is the approval of the minutes from the special meeting, uh, October nineteenth regarding uh, sorry October fourteenth regarding negotiations. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. And that is approved six zero. The last minutes is the regular meeting minutes from October fourteenth. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Goodburn. Second. Thank you, Dr. Sinclair. All those in favor, please say aye. Aye. Those opposed, nay. And that passes six to zero. That moves us on to section two, which is our communications item. First up is our superintendent report. Filling in is Dr. Atha. Welcome. Well, thank you, Mr. Stratton. I uh, really appreciate the opportunity of being able to present Dr. Fulton's report to you this evening. As we continue to celebrate 50 years, tonight's featured Shawnee Mission School District story, core story, comes from Lori Laura McConnell, alumni and Shawnee Mission Education Foundation board member. Take a look. 
We're longtime Shawnee Mission uh, residents, but also we've all attended Shawnee Mission schools. My uncle is probably the first one who graduated from Shawnee Mission when it was class of 1952. My grandmother was part of the PTA. Uh, when I rolled around at Sh to Shawnee Mission North, we, my parents and aunts and uncles all went to Shawnee Mission North. When I came to Shawnee Mission North, I had a number of teachers that my parents had that were young teachers when my folks and my uncle started school. My trigonometry teacher, Ms. Miss Welch, who I just loved, had my uncle who graduated in 1952, and so it was it was a lot of fun, you know, having having that yin and yang because my they had them when they were all young. I had them when they were older, and then when my children started in Shawnee Mission, and my siblings' kids and my cousins' children, because my cousins all went to Shawnee Mission, and it was just kind of fun. Teachers moved around. Some of the teachers I'd had at Milburn Junior High showed up at over at Indian Hills or at Indian Woods, and so it is. It's a lot of fun. It's a big family, and my father. Was the principal of Old Mission Junior High for years until it closed, and and it's fun to run. You just run into everybody who it's it, it's a community. We're a family. It's it's awesome. Semifinalists from uh, across the district were invited to a reception to be formally recognized for their academic achievement. High school principals and district leaders attended the reception to recognize the students and applaud them and their family members for their success. The National Merit Program has named 14 Shawnee Mission seniors as semifinalists in the 2020 National Merit Scholarship Program. We will share a link with the names of the students. It was an honor to recognize these outstanding students. High school students from across the metro gathered at the Shawnee Mission East at Shawnee Mission East last week to make future education plans at this year's Shawnee Mission College Clinic. The clinic has been hosted for local students for more than 50 years. The event provides an opportunity for our attendees to speak with and hear from representatives from more than 200 colleges and universities across the country. Amy Morgan, Shawnee Mission West High School journalism teacher, will be recognized with a 2019 Pioneer Award from the National Scholastic Press Association, NSPA. The Pioneer is the highest honor NSPA awards to journalism, journalism educators. Morgan is one of seven educators in the nation who will be presented with the honor at the Journalism Education Association National Scholastic Press Association Advisors Luncheon this November. Community members are invited to learn about district facilities planning and needs and provide input for the district facilities task force to review. The district has hosted four forums at Shawnee Mission East, West, Northwest, and South High Schools. Tomorrow evening, Tuesday, October 29th, we will host the final facilities forum at Shawnee Mission North High School. This is an open house style event where you are free to attend anytime between 5 and 6.30 p.m. I think at South last week, we had approximately 40 in attendance. We'd like to beat that record this week at North tomorrow night. Hope to see you there. Last, last week, uh, the foundation visited Shawnee Mission Northwest and Horizons High School to present seniors 
with scholarship offers. The foundation presented more than 1,200 seniors with scholarship offers. I had the pleasure of attending several of these announcements, and this is an extraordinary opportunity for our students. Kim Hinkle, Foundation Executive Director, will be presenting on this initiative later this evening. Broadmoor Bistro welcomes Homecoming Chef. The uh, Bistro kicked off this year's Homecoming series by welcoming Shawnee Mission Northwest and Culinary Arts graduate Pablo Munez. Uh, Munez worked with culinary arts students during the day to prep for the evening, which included past appetizers and a five-course dinner. The Bistro welcomed more than 100 guests to the sold-out event. Munoz is the executive chef at Tannen Wine Bar and Kitchen. We Care, I Can Food Drive. Schools across the district will kick off the Shawnee Mission School District's We Care, I Can Food Drive next week. The campaign will run through from November 4th through November 8th. Contributions to the district-wide food drive support the Johnson County Christmas Bureau, which helps local families in need. Categories. Uh, the longest-running quiz show in the area kicks off its 2019-20 season. The categories high school students compete to answer questions from art to science and history to current events. New episodes are broadcast on Mondays and Fridays at 1 p.m. and 6.30 p.m. on Wednesdays at 3.30 p.m. We will include specific program information on the board recap. Now it's time to recognize our Shawnee Mission All-Stars. We are thrilled to celebrate two staff members in our district who are being honored for their outstanding work. I'd like to invite uh, Dr. Todd Dane, principal at Shawnee Mission South High School, to introduce our first all-star honoree. Well, good evening. I am excited to recognize Mr. Chris Burns. He is our lead custodian at Shawnee Mission South High School. And at South High School, we have uh, uh, tremendous facilities and, and facilities that we think are some of the best in the metro area, certainly the premier um, event space for football, soccer, track and field with our stadium. And Chris Burns, as our lead custodian, is in charge of all of that. And uh, he does a tremendous job uh, with us here at Shawnee Mission South. And I know they're going to play a little video highlighting all of the great reasons why Chris is recognized as our all-star. ethic immediately sets him apart. The daily stuff that you ask him to do, he's, he's the ultimate, okay, I'll get it done kind of guy, which is what I need in this building is need the can-do guy because there's always something going on. The South High School uh, staff is responsible for facilitating uh, all activities at the uh, South District Stadium and Chris takes a tremendous amount of pride uh, in ensuring that students and, and community members have a great experience uh, when attending any of the activities that, that are held there. I think the one 
thing that stands out to me about Chris is that he cares about people. One of the things that exemplifies his unique leadership style is what he's done with a number of our students with special needs in our post high school program. Uh, he's taken those students specifically one-on-one -on -one and been very open to those students working on those job skills every day in our building and welcoming them as part of his team and making them feel at home. And that's done a, a number of things for their confidence and uh, their specific work abilities. Uh, and, and he gets excited about his opportunity to work with our young people. And so I think that's something that's very unique that is very rare uh, these days. And uh, that's one of the things that makes Chris so special. Chris has been a wonderful addition to this building, uh, his work ethic, his commitment, his disposition. Um, he's fit right in. He's very, very reliable. The teachers love him. The coaches love him. Um, and, uh, you know, we're lucky to have him. Hey, Chris, really appreciate all your hard work. Thank you. Chris, congratulations. Um, uh, I'm so thankful that you're here at Shawnee Mission South as part of our team uh, because what you do every day makes a, a world of difference for each of us. And uh, more than anything, it, it provides an incredible learning environment for our young people. So I'm very proud to introduce you all to Chris Burns. special evening here tonight. I know it's a special night for Chris. Um, his his uh, wife, his father-in-law, and their new baby girl are here uh, at the meeting. So congratulations. There they are. Now I'd like to invite uh, Kevin Frick, principal at Brookwood Elementary School, to introduce our next honoree of the evening. Well, good evening. First off, I just want to welcome Lauren, her fiance Kevin, and her uh, father, father and mother, Robin and Dan, for joining us tonight. Um, it is my pleasure to be at the board meeting tonight and to introduce someone who I think just makes a huge impact in our district and is often behind the scenes. Up here. Always on the job. Always on the job. The <laughs> Here's the best part. A lot of my staff are here, and I'm going to be hearing about this. Um, it is my pleasure to be at the board meeting tonight and to introduce someone who makes a huge impact in our district and is often behind the scenes. Uh, Lauren White joined our district last year as a school psychologist. Um, school psychologists, unfortunately, don't always receive the recognition that they deserve, but they have a huge impact in our schools. They work with our school teams made up of principals, teachers, SPED staff, and parents to problem solve and help support all of our students, but mainly they focus on students that are in the special education gifted programs. Their job is challenging in that when the student comes to a school improvement team, it's typically because the staff's kind of run out of ideas and need help. And that's where the school psychologist comes in, and Lauren does a superb job of it and helping our team make the right instructional decisions to help support the kids. It requires a lot of discussion and planning, also having some difficult conversations with parents 
and she handles it all with grace and professionalism and always a focus on the student's well-being. So typically with this award, you're going to see from hearing from students and uh, due to confidentiality, we couldn't have those students on the video. But I'm going to tell you that the students love working with Ms. White. The parents and them always come back to me afterwards and say, she's this greatest person. I love working with her. And most kids don't get excited about getting cognitive exams and testing those type of things. So I always take that as a compliment. I always try to pass it on to Lauren. But I know that the staff of Brookwood and Oak Park Carpenter, excuse me, Oak Park Carpenter appreciate all that she does to support our students in their learning. And I believe now we have a video that also showcases that. Lauren White started working with us a couple years ago, uh, joined the district, and came on as a new school site for us. And immediately, just her organization, her passion for kids, uh, wanting to support the staff uh, was unbelievable. And Lauren did such a great job of understanding that role and working with everybody on the SPED team, the general teachers, the principal, families, kids. Um, she's done an unbelievable job. So last year we had a student who was really struggling um, to stay on task, to stay safe, and to not be so disruptive in class. And Lauren and I were able to come together and really write a solid plan. We were able to collaborate with the teachers on that plan. They did an awesome job explaining all of the pieces of it, all of the elements. And we were able to get that implemented with the general education teacher. And he was able to turn it around and just have an amazing rest of the year. I really think that she is bringing everyone together. Um, anytime there's a need for a student, all of us are on the same page and I feel like Lauren really knows the process for working through problems and really follows up to make sure whatever pieces we put in place for a student to help them be successful are carried out and followed up with. And everyone's part of that team, the parents and the teachers and, and she's a great leader on that team. She's very detailed and thorough and uh, really puts parents at ease when we have meetings, puts students at ease when she works with them, and still manages to uh, uh, keep us all in line when we have meetings. I know about some work that she's done with individual families that I can't speak about um, on camera, but in every instance of the work that I've been aware of Lauren's touch, I know that there's always been care taken. She follows through. She makes sure that she is doing everything she can with the skills that she has to help our teams be successful in generating successful learning experiences for kids. We have several students who have asked if she is Elsa from Frozen because she looks just like her. So everybody, especially at Halloween, is waiting for Elsa to show up. <laughs> a lot of people don't see what you do on a day-to-day -day basis to help support our staff and students and families, but we all notice it here at Brookwood and around Shawnee Mission. Thanks for being such a great all-star. I just want to say thank you to the board for inviting me here this evening. Um, my job as a school psychologist involves so many different people and that's the best part about it. I have the opportunity to work with our special education administration, amazing principals, general education teachers, special education teachers, instructional coaches, interventionists, the list goes on and on related service providers. I could not do what I do without the, all the hard work that all of you do. Um, it makes my job so worth it, even on the tough days. And again, thank you for inviting me here. This means so much to me.
concludes my report. All right. Thank you. And again, congratulations to our honorees. Thanks. Well deserved. Uh, next up, we move on to uh, our board reports. And uh, the first up is uh, our Education Foundation, Mrs. Owsley. Updates? Well, um, Executive Director Kim Hinkle and Ed Marcus are here this evening to speak, so I'm going to defer my time to them, and they'll give us an update. Great. <laughs> Thank you. And uh, our KASB Board of Directors, Reverend Guy. Um, we will be meeting on Saturday, this Saturday, November 2nd. Um, and one of the things on the agenda is to discuss different ways that we might update the voting procedure during the uh, KASB annual conference to see if there might be a way to include votes from people who aren't physically able to be there. Um, and also discuss maybe the timing of that conference. Maybe the first weekend in December is not the most convenient time for a lot of people. Um, so I know that those will be two of the things we'll be discussing related to the annual conference. Um, and that's all I have. Great. Thank you. And uh, our legislative and government relations, uh, Dr. Sinclair. Um, actually, there is no new update from our last board meeting. We will um, be meeting this Saturday to review the revised documents. So, all right, nothing to add. Thank at you. This point. And uh, Mrs. Goodburn, an update on policy review. Uh, we met, and we have one policy for for your um, uh, to look at tonight. It's actually GAAA. You'll see it at Action Item 501, and we'll talk about it later. All right. Thank you. And um, as we come to the end of this year and look forward to next year, we're going to begin the legislative process all over again. And so this is the time of year where we begin to discuss the policies that we want to have as a priority on the legislative platform from the Shawnee Mission School District. Um, I've asked uh, board members if they would like to participate in a task force of board members to assist uh, Mr. Smith and uh, Dr. Little regarding the uh, creation and updating of our, policy, our uh, platform. So uh, Dr. Sinclair and Mrs. Owsley have raised their hand digitally. Um, anyone else would like to serve on this, uh, this task force? Okay, Mrs. Zila, thank you. All right, well, um, when they call the next meeting, we'll be ready to go. And as we well know, we're flipping the page to November here at the end of this week, and it's going to fly after that. So thank you for your service on that. Um, one other piece that I shared with the board, and I'll say it here, the six school districts in Johnson County also will convene again this uh, late this fall to put together a priority platform of legislative items for uh, consideration and prioritization in our legislative session for the coming year. So not only do we do it as an individual district, but we do it collectively with the six districts, and then as Dr. Sinclair said, um, also statewide. So there's three opportunities for us as a school district, us as your elected representatives, to begin the advocacy process in the legislature. Uh, next up, we have the board financial report. Dr. Ritha. Yeah, Russell Knapp, uh, Chief Financial Officer for the school district, will present the report and answer any questions you may have. Hello. Good evening. Um, as attached, as always, is the board financial report for your review. Uh, the report is as of September 30th, 2019, uh, so that wraps up the first quarter of our fiscal year 20. Um, it's still pretty early in our fiscal year, so there's really no exceptions to report at this time. But if you have any specific questions, I'd be glad to try to answer those. Yes, no, Dr. Sinclair. No anomalies or... Not at this other. time. Okay, no. thank you. Okay. 
And I know that is it September 20, is that the date that we take the snapshot? September 20 is the headcount, and we're currently being audited as we speak. They're in their third week here uh, this week. Hopefully they'll wrap up this Friday. Okay. Yes. All right. And that's the Kansas State Department of Education auditors. Right, right, to determine the actual number of students in the district. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes. Anyone else? No. Russ? Thank you. Uh, next up in our agenda is the opportunity for public comment. Uh, each of our board member meetings, we provide an opportunity for uh, community members to share some input with us, and we have some folks that uh, have come forward. So I'll share a few of the uh, suggested procedures and guidelines, and we'll call our first guest up. And uh, here are a few reminders that will speak to how to have a constructive and positive experience when presenting your comments to the board this evening. Please proceed to the podium when your name is called and share your name city of residence, what schools your children attend, if that's applicable, and the name of any group organization you might be representing. Please limit your remarks to three minutes. Uh, any written comments or materials will be accepted and can be given to our board clerk, Mrs. Wintering. We ask that uh, you provide eight copies for distribution. Please make your comments while behind the podium. Uh, any complaints regarding student or staff specific uh, should first be addressed to the administration in accordance with board policy KN complaints if that procedure has been completed, the board will consider whether to hear such complaints in executive session in order to protect the privacy interests of students and staff involved. If comments pertain to an item on the, that is on the meeting's agenda, the board president may request or ask rather the superintendent and or his or her designee to address those comments at the time or when it is up for board discussion. And lastly, responses from board members during public comment will be limited to clarifying questions. And so our first guest today is Jory Nelson. Welcome. Thank you. My name is Jory Nelson, Prairie Village, Kansas. I'm a 1981 graduate of Shawnee Mission East, as are my children. I've been a teacher in the district for 12 years after teaching in KCK. I'm a hardworking, dedicated, and loyal teacher, like every teacher here and across the district. I love my students, their families, and my profession. We are changing the lives of our students and their futures every day by igniting curiosity, inspiring passions, and creating lifelong learners. We work hours above and beyond our contract every week. In the evening, we go home, grade papers, return emails, write weekly newsletters, contact parents, and work on lesson plans. We continue to do more with less. Less time, less money, less resources. You've stated the district's utilities, transportation, supply costs, and insurance have gone up, as did all of ours. In 2007, my, my HMO insurance cost me nothing. This year, to keep the same insurance, my premium would more than double from $87 to $195 a month, while cabinet-level administrators' contracts offer fully paid insurance premiums for their entire family at a potential cost of $22,200 a year per administrator. I'm also a city council member. Like you, we are responsible for balancing our budget. This year and next, we'll have given our staff a 7.25% raise. We value their experience, knowledge, and expertise. We want to attract and retain our seasoned staff. We want to be competitive with surrounding cities. It's important for our staff to feel appreciated and respected for the work they do. 
When we begin our budget discussions, our budget reflects our priorities. I'm sure you're seeing the connection. Your budget should reflect your priorities, which should be to support its teachers and staff first. Teachers seem to be an afterthought. It appears that the budget comes before the board already set and what is left over after everything else has been accounted for, this is what is offered to us. At board meetings last spring, the draft budget for the school year reflected a 1% increase to the salary schedule before the Supreme Court's ruling on the school finance formula. Board members approved the same 1% after the ruling, and more than 40%, including myself, will make less this year than last. Your teachers want to feel valued, appreciated, and respected. You say you value our experience, knowledge, and expertise. You say you appreciate us and respect us. The 1% is an insult. You've written the strategic plan. It's up to the certified staff in every building to implement this plan. You have determined your priorities. It is now up to you to fund them. We pour our hearts and souls into every child all day, every day. I'm coming before you tonight advocating for all teachers and all staff, asking you to do the right thing. I'll leave you with a quote from Shannon Kimball, president of KASB, after the court's ruling. Quote, I'm really encouraged by this opportunity that we have to start making up for lost ground over the past many years on the issue of teacher pay. It's pretty simple. Great teachers equal great schools, equal great communities. It's just simple math, end quote. Thank you. Thank you for being here. I appreciate the Does any board member have questions? Any board members have any questions? Thank you for being here. Amanda Kaufman. Welcome. Thank you. My name is Amanda Kaufman. I live in Overland Park. I have children at Indian Woods and Trailwood. I've been a teacher for 21 years, the last five in Shawnee Mission. I've been trying to reconcile this board, who say the right things and seem to legitimately want to support teachers, with the negotiating teams I watched represent you this summer, who were flippant, condescending, and unwilling to negotiate with NEA Shawnee Mission in good faith. I am a teacher. When I see a clear misunderstanding, I try to get to the root of it so that learning can occur. In that vein, I have a few thoughts. You say you can't afford to meet the union's requests. We say it's about priorities. When our oldest child chose to go to her dream college out of state, my husband and I had to make some changes. That new car I was planning on will have to wait another four years while I drive my perfectly serviceable car. This was a no-brainer. Our children's education has always, and will always, take precedence over luxuries. Our house isn't a showpiece, and falls below what some believe that we can afford. But we've taken some epic road trips, my kids have gone to awesome summer camps, and I've sat fourth row for Hamilton. <laughs> we've prioritized those things in our family budget. I would suggest that you may be getting bad advice from the people who work in this showpiece and attend frequent conferences out of state. What are your priorities with the district money? In addition to bad advice, I fear you may have been reading too many Facebook memes about teaching. I'll say it. My job isn't only about the difference I make for my students. It's also about the career that I build for myself. This false view of teaching has allowed you to confuse appreciation with respect. 
Let me give you an example. This week is Halloween. All of my students know that my favorite candy bar is the Milky Way. <laughs> this week, my desk drawer will fill up with Milky Ways from students and their parents who appreciate the work I do. I love that. Some years I even post about it on Facebook. That is appreciation. But respect is something different. Respect is honoring teaching as my chosen career. A contract is an agreement where I will be paid a certain salary for a certain amount of work. Those two sides are not adding up right now. And it is not respectful to refuse to budge on either side of that equation. So I will treasure the appreciation I receive from my students and their families. But I demand respect from my school board. I know my worth. And I know my limits. And while a Milky Way will make my day, they don't make a career. Thank you. Thank you. I turn the board members. The board members have any questions for Ms. Kaufman. Thank you for being here. Next is Joe Wagner. Is Joe here this evening? Joe Wagner, yes. Mm -hmm. Not my fault. Welcome. Um, uh, Joe Wagner, Lenox, Kansas. My son goes to Mill Creek. And I'm here to share a new, unique perspective on the current situation regarding oversized class sizes at the secondary level. As a former teacher in the district, I want to point out that a huge fo focus of your strategic plan is on relationships and responsive culture. Staffing and class size need to be a part of the discussion here. I'm concerned that when my kids become secondary students, the current staffing dynamics are not satisfactory. Over the, my short four years teaching in the district, it became apparent that the district standard at high school is between 28 and 34 in many high school classrooms. Having many of the co-taught classes, I witnessed the overwhelming workloads of many of our special ed staff and can confirm that they are excessively overloaded and need to be staffed more adequately. I seriously worry for the mental health and well-being of district teachers because of this excessive workload. I see it all the time. Because of the bare-bones staffing, I had to teach seven different courses in my four years at Shawnee Mission East because the district doesn't allocate enough teachers. Given the large class sizes and other scenarios similar to mine, no teacher can strive to improve their pedagogy and methodology. This is why you are losing great teachers in this district. You're losing great teachers. Most importantly, and how it pertains to the strategic plan, oversized class sizes means teachers will not be able to build those stronger relationships with all students. You have to, to you have the opportunity to model responsive culture and what it should look like. <clears throat> if all means all, and that motto rings true, district leadership needs to put the, their money where their mouth is and provide funding to reduce class sizes and to hire more teachers at the secondary level. Have the courage to do what is right for my kids, our kids. Do what you can to reduce class sizes at the secondary level as soon as possible. I also want to note that it's unacceptable that the teachers don't have a contract yet. I walked into my son's parent-teacher conference and I saw two really awesome teachers in the hallway and both of them informed me that they didn't have a contract yet and I had no idea that you guys, the district, not you guys, but the district is, is. <laughs> anyway, um, I yield the floor and um, give my time to somebody else that needs it. Thank you. 
Thank you, Mr. Wagner. Anyone with a question for Mr. Wagner? Thank you for being here. Next is Gabia Dickey. Gabia? Oh, um, my name is Davia Dickey, and I'm sorry this is an emotional topic for me. I'm going to do my best to get through it without being emotional. Um, my children attend Crestview and Shawnee Mission North this year. I have unfortunately had several encounters with the zero tolerance policy in this school district. My family entered the district last year as a misplaced family. We literally uprooted our lives, our kids, from Lewisburg, Kansas for four years due to a horrific string of bullying that included harassment from children and adults. Upon entering Shawnee Mission, my only hope was that you had a zero tolerance policy and that a bigger district would have the resources to enforce it should the, the need arise. We had high hopes of this. Unfortunately, the need has arisen multiple times throughout our year and a half in Shawnee Mission. And multiple times we have been failed by this district and the administration. And I want to make it clear that it's the administration that is failing, not the teachers. The teachers in this district have been the only shining light for my family and my children. I believe that the zero tolerance policy needs to be seriously revisited. It is currently nothing more than fluff and a marketing ploy. The language is ambiguous and leaves room for interpretation. Administrators choose how and when to enforce it. As a parent, I've been left with my hands tied. I am supposed to trust that the staff and administrators will keep my kids safe. Again, I want to reiterate the teachers have been the only people who have parented or partnered with me to keep my children safe. These same administrators that you want me to trust to keep my children safe have discounted my complaints multiple times, cannot reply at all or in a timely manner, and cannot uphold a safety plan that is actually in force. The only thing that keeps my kids not from being homeschooled at this point is the upstanding work of the teachers that have gone above and beyond outside of their normal time and hours to help support me and my children. Instead of being a doorway to partner with parents and create a safe learning environment, this zero tolerance rule has left the door to ignorance and victim blaming wide open by your administration. Thank you for being here. Appreciate it. Next is Monique Kudian. Good evening. My name is Monique Goodion, and I am a math teacher and the IB coordinator at Shawnee Mission East. I have come here this evening to let you know that after 30 years of teaching that I am broken. I am broken because I can no longer do what's best for kids. I should have known 14 years ago that you all may not respect what teachers do. At that time, I should have been placed at step 16 on the salary schedule, but your policy is at most step 10. You didn't want to pay for all of the experience and expertise that I brought to the table, but I did accept the job with a pay decrease, mind you, not an increase like you all think everyone comes here for, because I wanted to work with the phenomenal teachers that I knew at Shawnee Mission East, and after 14 years, I should be on step 24 of the salary schedule but I'm not. And that's because five times the district said they didn't have the money to give teachers what they deserved, at minimum, a step on the salary schedule. 
Other years, it was no column movement, even for teachers that had spent years earning their master's degree, and still others, no money to put on the salary schedule as a whole. During that time, I naively blamed the state for not funding education properly, and I just kept doing what was best for kids. Thankfully, our Kansas communities finally voted in a legislature that now realizes education needs to be more adequately funded. Finally, the state gave you money to be spent on students in the classroom and on teachers' salaries. And again, you're telling us that there isn't money, but this time it falls squarely on your shoulders. I am broken. It's not all about the money. Nobody ever gets into education about the money. We get into education because we want to do what's best for kids. But over the last 11 years, we've been asked to do more and more and more and more. And I am broken. In my math department alone at Shawnee Mission East, our department has gone from nine teachers down to 13 and a half teachers with no real change in enrollment. That is 27 classes that we as a department have absorbed and we've made it work <laughs> because we do what's best for kids. The precious test scores that we are measured at haven't dropped as you might expect because we have done what's best for kids. We now teach six sections during the day with over 180 students. You haven't noticed what it has done to us because we do what's best for kids. We build 12 to 16 creative, innovative, technically enhanced presentations a week. And when that technology that you spent so much money on doesn't work, we're supposed to do plan B's. If we only take one test or assignment per week that takes five to 10 minutes to grade per paper, that's an additional 15 to 30 hours of time. And that's only one graded item. Where does that time come from? Certainly not the 50 minutes we get a day to plan, grade, reply to emails and phone calls within 24 hours of contact, have meaningful relationships with all 180 students, revise a yearly changing curriculum, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I can no longer do what's best for kids, and I am broken. Thank you for being here. Any board members have any questions? Thank you. Jamie Borkman. My name is Jamie Borgman. I have I live in Shawnee. I have three kiddos in the district, one at Shawnee Mission Northwest, one at Trail Ridge Middle School, and one at Krista McAuliffe Elementary. I'm speaking to you tonight out of concern. I'm very concerned the district has lost and will continue to lose good teachers due to the impasse with the budget. I am a CASA volunteer, court-appointed special advocate. I work with kids who've been removed from their homes due to abuse or neglect. One of my CASA kids was used as a punching bag by her dad. I asked her how she got through it. She said it was because of her teacher. For many children, their teacher is the only person they have. And for my own children, I have seen firsthand the impact the role quality educators have played in their lives. I do not know what will happen with the third party fact finding. What I do know is I hope we are never in this place again with our teachers. I know this situation can't feel good for anyone. And I hope that our eyes are wide open to the fact that we are still in an era of mistrust from our previous administration. 
It is painful to hear teachers talk about how they don't feel appreciated or valued when I know what a critical role they play in the lives of children. To the district, please, let's commit to having improved relations with our teachers. Let's commit to having a culture of trust. And if we are truly committed to putting students first, let's commit to prioritizing our budget to reflect that. To the teachers, as a mom and as someone who works with kids who, who literally have no one else in their lives but teachers, I want you to know that you are loved, you are respected, and admired. And as Henry Brooks Adams said, teachers affect eternity. No one can tell where their influence stops. Thank you. Thank you. Any board members have any questions for Mrs. Bergen? Thank you. Next up is Brandy. Brandy Warich, and please correct me if I didn't say that right. My name is Brandy Warish. I'm a teacher at Shawnee Mission East. I have a, a son at Shawnee Mission East as well. Since starting at Shawnee Mission School District three years ago, for me, each year has been distinctly different. My first year here, I was part-time. I taught three English classes with about 70 students. I found myself, on average, sometimes spending 77 hours a day to be an effective teacher for just three classes. At the time, I didn't think too much about this because I was still able to get all, done all that needed to be done at home, cook and eat dinner with my family every night, work on my master's program, and my students were performing. My second year here, I taught six classes of English with 178 students. With this many students, grading had to be quick, efficient, and unpersonalized. Even using this method of grading, which by the way is proven to be one of the most ineffective ways to, to give quality feedback for student growth, I spent about three minutes per essay. For 178 students, this is about nine hours of grading for just one assignment. I couldn't give each assignment any more time to ensure student growth because that time didn't exist. Ultimately, my, my students suffered for it. Last year was one of the most stressful years I've had in my nearly eight years of teaching. When my Kansas assessment scores came out last May, they dropped to an average of 1.97. This is not why I became a teacher. My third year here, this year, I'm full-time again with five classes and a total of 128 students. Already, there has been a drastic difference between this year and last. I've been able to build stronger, more personal relationships with each of my kids because with 50 fewer kids, I have the time to get to know each of them a little better. And with more time to grade, I'm able to give more timely, personalized, and meaningful feedback. I was able to add a new novel to my curriculum, which we know how difficult this is to do, but also how vital it is to keep the curriculum updated for, and current for our students. And lastly, I have been able to spend more time analyzing data from assessments. In fact, this year I've already been able to analyze the data from five assessments and have targeted various standards in which students were performing low. I was then able to use this data to guide my instruction. I'm happy to report that my students are stronger now, this year, than they were at the end of last year. Uh, Recently, they took a Kansas assessment predictive interim at the beginning of this month. Their score was 2.52, which is a 0.55 average increase, and that's just the beginning of the year. Because of lower classes, lower number of classes, my students have a far better English teacher this year, and in turn, my students will be successful. Think of what could happen if all of our teachers had the time to perform like this. We might have more productive PLCs, more time to spend on creative lesson plans and giving personalized feedback, and in turn, all of our kids will be more successful. This is why I became a teacher. The data is clear. Five classes instead of six classes enables teachers to provide a more personalized and rigorous learning environment, which produces students that are far better prepared for their future. 
I don't know yet what year four will look like for me as a teacher, but I'm asking you, the Board of Education, to consider the facts that we've presented to you today. Thank you. Do you board members have any questions for Ms. Wood? Next is Andrew Sanday. Welcome. Hello. My name is Andrew Sandoy from the Shawnee Mission Northwest area, and I teach physics at Shawnee Mission East. I'm an Airborne Ranger, a West Point graduate with 27 years of active duty. I'm an immigrant. My grandfather spent two years in a concentration camp. My dad was tortured by the Gestapo, and my mom was interrogated by the Gestapo when she was 16. I am appalled by what I see here, good people not willing to do what is right. There were tough times in the Army, far beyond what happens here. But they would end. And when they ended, the local leaders, they provided the time and resources for people to recover. The surge should be over here. You got $10 million from the state. That's more than enough to reduce the workload of 50% that has happened over the last couple of years. More importantly, the current system, with this CAA here as the prime indicator, exhibit, caters to the privileged, while making it ever harder for those at risk to be taken care of. I can teach four physics classes with 28 to 30 uh, kids apiece, because those kids are overprepared, they are highly motivated, they have more than adequate support at home, and they can get a tutor at a a moment's drop, but the two classes I've got in physical science, those are far different kids. They are less prepared. They aren't as sure of themselves, and there's a whole bunch of them that are at risk. Last year, I had 10 kids who had Fs in four or more of their classes, four or more of their classes. Now, I've got the ability to tutor during the school about two kids, period because there's no time for anything else. And there's, I've got 10 kids who are going down in flames. So last year, virtually all of those failed in all the classes they were failing. Maybe it's okay to increase the workload 50%, but how can you maintain large classes punishing at-risk kids when you have the funds to fit the problem? Thank you. Thank you. Any questions for Mr. Sandberg? Next is Emma Matheson. Emma Matheson. Welcome. Um, hello, my name is Emma Matheson, and I am from Lenexa, Kansas, and I am a senior at Johnny Mission West High School. I've had an excellent 13 years in this school district, full of incredible teachers who have done nothing but inspire my love of learning. I'm here to speak today on behalf of the wonderful teachers and staff that I have encountered at all three schools I've attended. Brad Tennant, who was my first, who was my teacher of college algebra trigonometry my sophomore year. Before tests and during finals, he would offer ample studying time with him outside of his contract time, putting no limit on how long it would take us to learn, and staying at school with us until we felt confident in the material. Kelly Gill. Kelly Gill, whose passion for teaching and care for each and every student is evident in her hours spent mentoring and nurturing the creative and welcoming environment that she has in her classroom. 
Amanda Courtney ignited my love of research and argumentative writing in her English class in middle school with her engaging and thought-provoking lessons, and Rose Lawler turned that into a love of public speaking in high school. Eric Magnus makes countless kids realize their potential as actors and people every year, staying for rehearsals night after night. For the first three years of high school, I was in my school's freshman mentor program, which was a program dreamed up by Kansas Teacher of the Year and Spanish teacher at Shawnee Mission West, Karen Tritt, who has since left Shawnee Mission for another school district. She is not the only powerhouse teacher who has left Shawnee Mission West for another district in the past few years. Laura Van Leeuwen, who in her 19 years at West turned the choir program into something everyone wanted to be a part of. She inspired kids daily to embrace their differences and to channel their feelings into music. I've also seen this hard work and dedication in my own home. I've seen firsthand the emotional toll this occupation takes on teachers who put their whole heart into their jobs. My mom has been a teacher in the, uh, has been an elementary teacher in the district for 27 years. I've seen her come home crying every night, sometimes all year because of the behavioral problems she has had in her classroom. I see her spending evenings and weekends and all of her personal time grading, planning, and worrying about kids, making sure that every student in her class is getting the care and education they need to succeed. And it breaks my heart that the students in their classroom is appreciating them more than the district is. These teachers give their all despite having to teach more classes than their peers in surrounding districts. They are adapting and supporting students with rising violence and mental health issues, acting as both teacher and social worker in the classroom. High school teachers with approximately 30 kids per class for six periods a day are expected to differentiate lessons for a wide range of abilities and motivation levels. Some high school teachers are using their sick leave to grade papers and provide meaningful feedback to each student. This is in addition to the hours spent on any given school night grading daily work. How is their hard work being appreciated or acknowledged even? By a 1% pay increase. That with the raise in health insurance costs will leave many of them making less money this year than they did last. Our teachers deserve so much better for everything they put into their jobs. Thank, Thank you. Thank you for being here. Appreciate that. Thank you. Next is Amanda Jessel. Amanda Jessel. Welcome. Hi, thank you. My name is Amanda Jesse. I'd like to present a little bit of my resume to you to get into the point I want to make next. I've taught fifth and sixth grade in Shawnee Mission ever since I graduated from K-State 21 years ago. Over the years, I've helped create social studies activities used by teachers in the district. I've worked, part, worked as part of a team of teachers with the Kansas Department of Education on revising social studies standards for our state. I've been fortunate enough to have been named a Gilder Lerman Institute of American History State History Teacher of the Year. I have my master's degree in curriculum and instruction with an emphasis on distance learning. I'm currently working with a team of teachers from multiple Shawnee Mission elementary schools, district IT personnel, and Cisco engineers and staff as part of a pilot program introducing Cisco's WebEx communication tool to the educational market. Additionally, I lead professional development workshops across the nation, the focus being the use of primary sources in elementary, middle, and high school classrooms. All of this in addition to my classroom responsibilities. I'm a fifth and sixth grade social studies teacher currently at Westwood View Elementary. I love my job. 
I love my students. They're what I wake up for, and they are what I go to work for. Having said that, I would say, with my resume, I would consider myself on some days an average teacher, on a good day an above average teacher. However, my district's telling me I'm below average. I'm going to get back to why that is. Could I ask the teachers just silently raise your hand if you've ever worked more than your contract hours? If you've ever attended an event outside of school for a student, such as a sporting event or a recital? Have you ever taken work home? Have you ever purchased supplies out of your own money for your classroom? All of these hands point to the fact that we have exceptional teachers in this district who love their students, and they are all in for this profession. I am all in for my students and for making sure that they can <laughs> succeed in ways they themselves couldn't even imagine. I would be blessed to have my students, and this is my own two students in this district, unfortunately, we live further south. I would say that these teachers whose hands have been raised are average to above average teachers, leaning towards above average. However, for most of them too, they are being told by their district they're below average. Let me address why I feel that is. There's been a number floating around that came from a communications officer in Shawnee Mission stating that the average salary for Shawnee Mission teachers, not staff, just teachers, was $69,406. Okay? In order to earn that amount, a teacher would have to be at master's plus 15 at step 24, master's plus 30 at step 15, master's plus 45 at step 14, master's plus 60 at step 13, or at the doctorate level on step 11. I find it hard to believe that individuals with that much experience and additional schooling are average. We want to work in a district that is above average. We are all in for our students and our schools. We would like to ask for a district that is the same. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for everyone who came today. We appreciate it. We appreciate the comments, and they're certainly heard. Thank you very much. Next, we move on to item 3.01, and that is uh, an update on scholarship Shawnee Mission. I'll turn to Dr. Atha with introductions. Yeah, Kim Hinkle, uh, Foundation Executive Director, will speak to this program, and it's really been an exciting program. Kim? Thanks. Um... Thanks so much for having us here. I'd like to introduce the foundation's new program officer, which I think many of you have met, um, Ed Marquez, um, who's really taken this program um, as his brainchild and made it really quite extraordinary. We started July 1, and we've had a really a pretty good year. And so uh, just to kind of recap, we really um, started this program to bring scholarship opportunities to students to um, help them expand um, some of the possibilities uh, for their futures. So they're getting offers from places that they might not yet have considered. Um, they are uh, getting offers and that's really helping alleviate some stress in the admissions process for them and their families. And it's informing their fa families of financial opportunities earlier than they might otherwise um, have known about them. And it's also really rewarding their hard work and giving them a boost of confidence. Some of these students 
really are just quite shocked that they're getting a scholarship offer. And um, I know, I really feel confident that they're taking that back to their schools and to their classrooms. So we're really excited about that. <laughs> so in our first year, um, we brought back $737 million in total scholarship offers to 1,233 seniors. It's nice to have a big crowd to, to applaud. Thank you. We're thrilled. So this is like just one of the reactions we saw. That was at Shawnee Mission West. It was Hawaiian Day, just if you're wondering about we didn't give out the lays that they brought that from home. Um, so we are excited about having um, 27 partner college and universities and we plan to rapidly expand that um, in the coming uh, years. But you can see the breakdown. We have 13 public, um, 14 private and they are uh, really in Kansas, Missouri and the states that that borders on. But again, we want that to expand and we're working hard on that. So you can just see those are our college and university partners um, at this time. And so a lot of people are still asking, how do I become a part of this program? And it's really the only thing that students have to be, um, have to do is to have their parents opt in for them. And that happens during online verification in July and up to uh, when school starts. And, um, and so for, for seniors this year, we've gone through the cycle, but 7th um, through 11th graders can be opting in right now and all the way up, and we'll continue talking about that. And Ed's going to present some statistics um, and more information on kind of some of the data that just through the last few months we've we figured out. So these are just some of our um, leadership Shawnee Mission students who got a lot of scholarship offers, so they were pretty happy that day. That's at North. Um, thank you. This is a pleasure to be here with everyone tonight, and um, I can't believe this is happening and uh, that we completed the first year uh, so quickly. But if you'll look on the, the screen, we were pleasantly surprised that um, we had 85% of the seniors up into this program, and on very short notice, you know, we started this like in mid-July, and by early September, we had 85% of seniors across the board opting in. What was even a more impressive for all of us, 77% um, over three of, it, of every four students that opted in received at least one scholarship offer. And that's a tribute, I mean, that's a tribute to everybody who's in this room. Our teachers, our administrators, our indirect service people, everybody has a part in this. It does, nothing happens in isolation. And to see those kind of uh, results there, that's, that's just tremendous. Um, we started opting in, as Kim alluded to, way as far as back as, as, as early as seventh grade. And if you'll notice, if you look at 11th and 10th and then all through 987, that percentage increases even in seventh, eighth, in, in eighth grade, which gives us information, at least it tells me, that our parents even at that grade level are looking for more information, more guidance, more assistance. And down the road a bit, we see if we can't possibly look at expanding in, in, in ways to, to, to provide that. This is a breakdown by school, and I'll just let you look for a minute. You'll see at the very top in the light blue our middle schools, our high schools in yellow, and then Arrowhead and Horizons in the green. And total overall, if you looked at by school, we had an 89% opt-in. Okay, I believe we had... Um, 
over 12,000 students as 7th through 12th grade. So we have 89% of those opted in. This is the opt-in by race and ethnicity. And this is how it breaks down. As you can see, um, uh, the, the writing is fairly small. So if I can help out, the Asian in the blue, black in the orange, Hispanic, Latino in gray, multiracial in yellow, and then white on the far end uh, in blue as well. And um, this is kind of indicative of we still have some work to do. I mean, we have work to do in everything. But in this case, we want to increase those opt-in rates by the other four groups so that all five are equal. I mean, that's ideally what we're going for, is that everybody has equal participation. And that's just indicative for me. It just tells me personally that um, I have more work to do on behalf of working with the schools and, and our patrons to make sure we can increase those opt-in percentages. Over 18,000 unique scholarships offered to the over 1,200 seniors. Um, 44% receiving between 19 and 27 offers. 38% between one and nine. I just want to say here, it's really impressive that 44% between 19 and 27, but I don't want to get lost the fact that the students who be received between one and nine, behind every one, in every one of these numbers and percentages are faces and students. And there's, I'm sure there are many students getting that one or two was a very nice surprise for them. And hopefully that gives them the motivation and helps bring to fruition their, their opportunities that they maybe possibly didn't think they had. So for us to start off with 44% between 19 and 27, um, that's, again, good work, everybody. You know, how can you do this? We put the number out, the, the amount of dollars previously. And so we wanted to at least let people know the highest offer that we had on record for individual student, there may have been a couple who received over a million three hundred thousand. The lowest offer was a five hundred dollars, just as valuable to that student as it would be to anyone else. And the average amount was slightly, well, nearly six hundred thousand dollars on the average for every student in the district in terms of the amount of offerings they received. This here is again, if you it may be difficult to, to read the bottom, so I'll, I'll do it for you. The first column is Hispanic, then American Indian, Asian, Black, Native American, White, and multiracial. And the green bar, where you see the green bar within the respective ethnicity or race, is it indicates the percentage, the percentage of dollars, scholarship dollars, that the student, that respective group received. The portion in red is the enrollment of that respective group as seniors in the district. Not where we want to be is what we see right now. But where we can be is where everything equals out. Then again, it's always, you always try to get better. And if we can get better and increase the Hispanic, increase the black, and increase those rates of dollars that equal to the percentage of their enrollment, I think then we're, we're really making the kind of progress we want. We're really happy with what we see, but we also, we also recognize the fact that we can do better, and we will. So. Uh, we put the um, American Indian and Native, uh, Ameri Native uh, Hawaiian on, you see 0% because we have fewer than 10 students in each of those particular groups, but we nevertheless wanted to represent that. This is just a quick banner. This is from Shawnee Mission Northwest, not too long ago. And next steps for 2020. Um, <coughs> recruiting colleges to participate. Uh, I spent an hour on the phone today with a college out of Illinois, a university out of Illinois. 
um, talking to them about this program and now the dialogue starts and it usually takes three to four months before we have a decision made, but we've, we started that process. Um, educating parents and students about the benefits of opting in. Okay, whereas we have 89 to 90%, then we still have about 10% out there who, who haven't opted in. And then we have the rising, we have the students in sixth grade who will be rising up to seventh grade. So every year we're gonna have a new audience coming in. So we have to do a good job of informing them. Track the data on the college enrollment. Well, some of the data we saw here tonight is just the beginning. Um, we've got the data on the opt-in, on the dollars, on the number of offers they had. But equally as important is going to be what happens to the students after they've gone. Where did they end up going? Uh, did Ed receive nine awards? And if he did, which of those universities and colleges did he select from? Did he actually enroll in one of those? Did he enroll in another one? Um, two years down the road through clearinghouse data, we can continually track to see how those students are progressing and are they staying enrolled and ultimately graduating. The last step on there is um, as these numbers, which were, I'm speaking personally, were much larger than what I anticipated, we need to start looking at forming volunteer groups to help in a mentoring process with our students in the schools to help them kind of sift through the data because what we've gone through We've gone from a point, I'm sure you all have heard it, it's kind of a cliche, but it's true. Where do I start? Where do I begin? How do I find the process for, for uh, finding scholarships and applying? Well, we went from, from, a, from a, a, a track that maybe is this wide to students now having this much information, this many offers. How do you collapse or consolidate that data, those options, that information, so students can make decisions on a timely basis because every one of these scholarship letters is ticking. There's a timeline attached to it. There's applications, there's, there's, there's items that they have. The student has responsibility to fulfill certain obligations then if they want to pursue one of these universities within certain timelines. And um, that's me. Any questions? <laughs> if there's any questions, anything like that, that's, you can reach me here. Yes, Mrs. Zila first. Okay. Um, Opt-in process. Explain that to me so parents don't miss that when it comes about next year. It is um, on the online verification where every parent has to go and there's a number of boxes to check about photo releases and, um, uh, and permissions to do different things. There's all these things. It's kind of, you know, during enrollment, if you will. It's and a registration so, time. Then, yeah, right? it's right. And so, and it is, it's just a box to check that says, we give permission for you to share uh, my students' data with college and university partners. Great. Thank this you. This is Osley. Um, well, I've already previously stated my support and how appreciative I am for everything you guys have done. I think this is a real um, game changer for a lot of students to level the playing field who maybe don't understand the college application process or have members of their family who've done it before them to guide them through it. So I love that aspect of it. Um, just to clarify for folks that um, basically for the kids who received the one to nine offers or for all of the offers, the students didn't apply to any of these universities and by providing the scholarship offers, the universities are basically providing them that they've been accepted to college, they've been accepted to nine institutions that they did not fill out applications for, they did not pay application fees for, and it's maybe universities that they wouldn't have thought of but now are in their sphere to contemplate as they're thinking about their next steps. Absolutely. 
You're absolutely right. So can you go over what the students then need to do after they receive their offers? What does that look like to make it concrete that they're at that university? Like they have to provide additional transcript information or to make because they haven't given them anything. It's possible they could right. get. So I'll let you explain that part. Yeah, if, if, if I understand correctly. But what will happen is that the students now have in their possession these different letters. Okay, and they're sifting through them to see, okay, which of the scholarship offers look like it's a good opportunity for me. They're going to look at various factors to help make that decision. Once they make that decision, we, we've had, we, in fact, we have a meeting tomorrow night here. We've had information meetings. We've had two of them past, this past week. We're having another one tomorrow where I've shared the information that you have to look at it to some degree in a chronological order. All the dates on the letters are different dates. Different universities have different deadlines, so to speak. So I've been forming parents, look at the dates, forming students, look at the dates, try to consolidate through there, fill out your application, complete the FAFSA. If some schools need for you to contact somebody at that respective school, and there are some schools who want you to make a visit to that institution, some of the local ones, um, then you need to be aware of the timeline and the factors that are necessary for that scholarship to hold. Okay, so those are the things they have to be cognizant of. The timelines are very important to this. They're not so up close that it's staring them in the face right now, but it's that kind of thing is we're, we're going to be in November at the end of this week and time is starting to go by and they have to be, they have to really be on top of it. Hence why we think we need to start looking at volunteer support to help the students make these decisions on a timely basis. Is, is that what you're looking for? Yes, okay. and then tomorrow night's meeting is here at the call at what time for folks if they... It's at 5.30 yeah. in English and 6.30 in Spanish. Great, thank yeah. you so much. Thank you, appreciate it. Other, we'll go to Dr. Sinclair and then Mrs. Zila. Um, I was at the college clinic night at East was that, last week or whatnot, yeah. and talked to a couple of the different universities and asked if they were participating in the program and one of the... Um, uh, community colleges had said that you or others were kind of walking around sharing a bit about the program, yeah. collecting cards. So did we get, so my question, did we get additional kinds of interest from universities? I just thought that was brilliant. Yeah. yeah, I mean, um, I mean, I had, like everything else, I need to know how many. I mean, okay. I need to know how many. So we have 45 additional wow. universities oh. that we're, that, that's where the process started today. Hey, I'm okay. clarification. I'm not saying we're going to have 45 additional, right? right but, but I'm saying we have 45 minimum, aside from other schools that I'm going to be recruiting, okay. that are, could be part of this. And does that, and looking for those university, those post-secondary fits, is that all four-year colleges? Is it two-year colleges? Is it technical? I mean, is there? Can you speak to that a little bit? It of is. What, um, it all is of the above. All of the above. Yeah, okay. we're really looking for as many opportunities for our students as possible. So. Okay. It's fantastic. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Mrs. Zila. Thank you. I learned something tonight, and I didn't realize that 7th and 8th graders might also be opting in for this program. Tell me as a 7th or 8th grade parent, what, you know, college seems far away or whatever at that point. What's the advantage to go ahead and opt in at 7th or 8th grade? You never have to think about it again. So it's a one-time opt-in, yeah. you're done. Right. Okay. Yeah. That's magical, because I thought if you we, have to do this every year. We do <laughs> believe that the program could potentially in future years expand um, to include more than just seniors, and so we're not quite ready for seventh graders yet. But um, <laughs> gotcha. but you know we'd rather have them opted in so that they don't miss an opportunity because there were certainly students and parents who missed the opportunity this year in the first year, and 
Um, I think those have maybe been some difficult conversations between those students and their parents. Um, like, Mom, why didn't you want me in? Or Dad, you know, it was you had to check one box. That's right. all you had. To, but um, uh, so we don't want them to miss the opportunity. So they, it's kind of you know they can do that and then not. So this is kind of the safety net to catch those kids yeah. early. Yeah. Then, yeah. great, wonderful. Yeah. Thank you. Exactly. <clears throat> Other board members with questions. Well, thank you so much for having thank us. You. We really appreciate your thank support. You. Thank you. Wonderful work. Thank you. Next on our agenda is a, the continuation of a discussion about the, uh, the district's committees and task forces. Uh, last meeting, we walked through this two-page document. It's now on the screen. Um, sought some input. Uh, the two items that were updated on this based on input from last time was at the end of sec uh, paragraph number two, where we talk about that this would be a cycle that would be an academic year, but because we're bringing, doing this in the middle of a year, we, the first year we would do um, December 31st submissions for those people who would like to be considered to be serving on, in a, on a district committee or task force, and then after that we'd be doing it every June 30 would be the deadline for applications. The only other update was on the, on the committee itself on the second page under the uh, finance and facilities committee outline. Um, there was conversation about making sure that the strategic plan was certainly referenced as well. And so the sentence added was all the work of the committee will be done in conjunction with the strategic plan of the district, just to make sure that that, again, is the focus of the work. Um, now that board members have had a couple of weeks to uh, look at this and to chew on it and to think about it, um, so just as a help with a process, we have three meetings left this, this year, so perhaps this meeting, maybe one more meeting, we can discuss format structure and then maybe take action either at the end of uh, November or in December. So continue discussion today, and I'll turn to board members for discussion. Mrs. Zeal. Yes, I was discussing this whole option with other school district board members that have this in place now. And I said, this is kind of what we're thinking. Can you give me something so we don't have to reinvent the wheel and we can do it right the first time? Um, one thing I know that we did talk about last time was the selection of a chairman for that committee. And overall, what I heard from them was that the admin that you place, that the superintendent designates to kind of help out with that committee, um, a, they thought that was a good idea to have the superintendent delegate that person. It may not be the CFO. It may be somebody like under him that is well-versed in whatever the agenda item is for that. So that was one comment. You want me to just kind of run yeah, through these? Sure, okay. sure. Um, um, and another question was, how do board members select this? Is there a, we turn it into the president as far as like saying, I'm interested in this committee, or I guess actually we just have the one committee we're looking at, correct, right now, facilities and, and financial committee. Okay, so you, somebody just contacts you and says, I want to sit on that committee or something? First two people there? Or well, I'll respond with how I envision it, but okay. chime in. And that is that we'd open it up to all patrons of the district to be able to submit their name for consideration. And then once the uh, submission deadline is, is closed, then each of the board members would be given the opportunity to go through those folks and then select one for their appointment. So someone who might be representing a specific area might lean towards making sure that their area is represented. It doesn't have to be. And that way it gives us the opportunity to look at uh, as the diversity components that we talked about in right. here, the ability to geographic and socioeconomic uh, students in the district, past students in the district, et cetera. But ultimately, each of us would be given one slot 
to fill. And I'll give you an example of a model that's similar in our community is uh, the Johnson County uh, Board of Commissioners. They um, appoint the members of the Parks and Rec Committee. And so each of those folks are appointed based on um, each board member, or the commission member is given the opportunity to submit one name. And so that's their appointee. I was actually referring to the board members that would serve on that committee. Oh, sorry. And it's, is there like at the in the organizational meeting or something like that, which would be when this committee would organize officially or? Right, so as the document, and I don't have it in front of me, but it was the document that we approved earlier this calendar year, we talked about that the board president would give the opportunity to appoint the individual members to each committee. Okay. And then, yeah, period. Okay, I understand. And I, I like the that each board member can appoint someone from their area or whatever they think who would do a good job. Another suggestion that I was giving would to do staggered terms. We were talking about two-year terms, so if the entire committee terms out, if you will, after two terms, you're left with no one to kind of carry on what was initially talked about or whatever to kind of be a guiding force within that. So I don't know if, if you want to do like, like a one-year term renewable the first year around and then the other half of the committee gets a two-year term that's renewable and mm -hmm. so you kind of have a staggered membership to that committee. And again, I'll throw my thought out, but okay. I don't want the others to yeah, feel, feel hindered. These, these That's a great ideas. idea. And my first reaction is, um, let's use upcoming in January as the example. So I would envision the um, the board members that are reelected, elected in this uh, this coming term, they would be able to appoint someone for perhaps um, a, a two-year term. Uh, I don't know. And then, and then the others, the other people that would be up for re-election in two more years, we'd have to think about that because maybe yeah. they could do a four-year and the other one could do a two-year and then you've got to roll. I just, I'll stop there. What do you guys think? <laughs> we could split it for the seats that are up for election now and have that be two years because then whoever's elected to those seats could appoint the next four-year term folks and then the people who are here mm -hmm. not going through the election could do four years and you could get the get the stair steps that way. Mm -hmm. I, I do um, and, and the reason I was pausing was I think somewhere in here it says they're two-year terms. Oh right. Yeah so that well, we could alter that to be that same way. One and two. Um, yeah. I'd like folks to be uh, volunteers of the district. I don't want to scare them away when I say four-year four term versus two-year right, term. Right. Um, so that was the reason I did with the two. And there may be some that were more comfortable with starting with a one-year term. I don't, I don't know. Others so may be invested in that and really want to be a part of that. But that would sort of start the succession process there. So you're not turning over an entire task force committee um, at one time. Mm -hmm. Just a thought. Okay. Um, Good. And this, this task force committee... Committee of Task Force, I'm not sure what to call it here. It would be a committee. It would be a committee. Mm -hmm. And that is on a strictly advisory capacity, I assume, to the board then? Ideas would be brought to the board, but no decisions made by this. Correct. And that other document I referred to either, I, um, the one when we approve the formats of each of these, there's language, and I'll paraphrase, that says this is advisory capacity only. All final decisions rest with the Board of Education. Okay. 
So certainly they could bring things forward, but ultimately it's the seven folks on the Board of Education that would have the final say so that nothing would supersede the decision-making of the, the board. Just recommendations, not decisions then? Correct. Okay, mm -hmm. very good. And the last bit of comment that I got from others was that this, is this going to be a policy or is this just going to be a board procedure that we do? They recommended it not be district policy because it's really not a district thing, it's a board driven committee. And to that point, perhaps it could be part of the board manual. Okay, which is procedural, mm -hmm. basically. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I didn't mean to no, those know, are good. <laughs> take over, but I just wanted to share those thoughts with you for somebody who's already sat in these seats to do this. Mm -hmm. Good. Other board members, questions, comments, thoughts? Reverend Guy. Um, Ms. Seeler, I don't know if any of the others you talked to. I, my, my only concern is that um, finance and facilities are both two very big uh, parts of what we do and that that's going to be a lot for one committee. I don't, I, we had talked, I think, previously that down the road they might get split into two separate committees, but I wondered about starting out with both of them combined, if that's wise or if we want to break those out into two committees from the very beginning so they can focus more on that particular area. Good question, and yes, you're right. It did start out with the, with the two, and then they were combined to the one. Um, there was a, multiple conversations about these two groups overlap so much that we want to make sure left hand, right hand, we're, we're looking at the same things at the same time. I'll and I will tell you, Laura, that Blue Valley, for instance, started with two committees, and now they've combined it to one because okay. they saw that that overlap that Brad was talking about was just, it seemed like you were talking about the same things or okay. something to that effect. So I'm not sure how that will work for us, but that was their experience with it anyway. And I think that could be a decision as it moves along by both the committee as well as those that uh, staff it too, because it could be overwhelming for them too. Okay. And the very last thing, then I'll be quiet, mm -hmm. I'll throw out for food for thought, would be setting the agenda that seems probably something, you know, some things are timely, like we have to review facilities for a bond, possibly in the future or something like that. But um, the agenda would be set by the board president and the administrator that's part of that, or the board members and that administrator, or how do you envision that? That's a good question. I guess I was going to say that it would start with the superintendent and that person that would be working on the committee because they would be the, the first ones that would say this would best be vetted by that group and then I would just say in conjunction with board leadership. But I think there's so many uh, important particulars that this group would be looking at that I as a board president, if I were in that role, defer to the superintendent to say help us figure out what would be the priorities that you'd like visited first and then we'll have this group do it. But we do need to get that in here. Uh, so I'm gonna write that okay. down, setting the agenda. Thank, Thank you. you, that's all I have now. I promise, I'll be quiet. You no, covered it. Right. <laughs> Thank you. Okay, we're welcome. Dr. Sinclair. Did, um, uh, I'm gonna start maybe with just adding to a comment or thought with um, Dr. or Reverend Guy's question about um, combining or splitting. And so I feel like the language we have here allows us to um, start start as a whole, start with a kind of a, um, so that we have all of the issues on the table in a manageable size as we're pilot testing maybe this 
kind of new endeavor. And then if we feel the need that we need to break them up and it's functional and these groups and the community kind of we're at a place where we want to dig in deeper that we have the opportunity to do that so that we could split in the future but we'll start. So my understanding was kind of the have the option open. Um, but I had the same question. Uh, I was looking at the committee objectives and my first thought in just kind of looking at those was that um, that work scope is my kind of same reaction. The work scope is big. That's kind of adding any more bullet items under that seems pretty overwhelming. Um, and um, and the discussion about setting an agenda kind of speaks to that issue of maybe prioritizing what do we need to start with kind of within those bulleted, kind of that bulleted list of objectives. Um, my question for this group is, is what is the proper way to, or do we want to spend a little time um, thinking about do we need to add some specificity to that list of objectives um, or kind of lay out what to expect in this kind of work group. So again, it's new. So simple expectations too, I assume we're going to operate from an agenda, so kind of discussion. So people know what they're kind of signing up for or how and what they might be contributing to in terms of time and process. But I'm just spending time thinking about what is what do we mean by review, what do we mean by advise, some of those words. Like my expectation in reading this is that we're looking for participants willing, as in other committee work, to dig in and, and read documents so that when everybody comes to the table, we're all operating with the same pieces of information, the same um, uh, base of, of knowledge. You know, so is what is that expectation? How much, how much reading, how much digging into materials are we kind of talking about? But so I was kind of going through here myself, trying to identify what what are we really looking for here in terms of what does it mean to review, at what level of detail, what kind of advice, what kind of feedback are we looking for? If, you know, are we talking about content editing? Or are we talking about you know, how to better communicate with the public when we're talking about the budget presentation, or are we really talking about kind of deeper kind of technical issues in there? Um, and is that worth a conversation of this board so we kind of have at least a common understanding of what we think these, this committee so should focus? That's a good question, and why don't you pose a few thoughts that you have. And, we're going to do that. Yeah, and then we're going to roll these into, and I'll, a reminder that the timing of this is, is uh, fortuitous, interesting, meaning um, the group that will ultimately kick this off will be the, the, the board as it looks on in January at our first meeting. So although we're setting the template there, that board will also have the opportunity to, to tweak that. So what I would like to do is to say, let's talk in terms of more structural expectations. You know, I think as you were saying, how deep into this process right. we go. And then the, the, the specifics, we can certainly give some expectation to, but at the same time, it's going to be the, 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 the seven board members that sit here in January that will ultimately select the seven people, and they in turn will, will want to be able to have that conversation to understand who they're pointing for what task. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So uh, you use the word depth, uh, so in what level, what are your thoughts? Um, uh, as a board member, so I would, um, 
I'm going to provide a caveat before I delve in, is that I would, I think it would be helpful for us to have a, a conversation about what our common expectations would be, but then also when the group comes together, that that group of people also have input into kind of the structure that we've started with. Okay. Perhaps, I don't know if that, you know. But when I was thinking about, for the first bullet, review current financial reports of the SMSD, there are a number of budget documents on the website that you can click in and link and read and kind of give, bring your, um, kind of delve into from um, historical to current budget documents. So would be that the expectation be that this group of people who are coming together would be familiar with all those documents online? The big one right there. <laughs> you know? Yeah, that, it's a good point. And I think it's a good expectation to clarify, maybe. All right. Yes, Mrs. Hill. Well, I could think, to your point, Mary, I think possibly the first time this committee meets would be a tutelage of exactly what all of these different mm -hmm. um, accounts are about, what they include, and that sort of thing. You can get the, you can grind the numbers, I think, with the, but what those represent is not always clear, I don't think, mm -hmm. with just, when you're just looking at, say, if our, our monthly budget report or something like that, yeah. might be a little bit more information that could be, could be provided to them. So um, and a, uh, the expectation is that you would look through them, recognize what's on there, raise some questions, maybe not have a 100% command, right, of the, what you're reading, but a willingness and interest to really delve in and, and get a better understanding. Yeah, and I think uh, that there would be, the necessary would be that tutelar, that tutorial piece to, mm -hmm. to make sure everyone's at least to a basic same level of understanding. Mm -hmm. right. mm -hmm. All right. Other thoughts about the depth and expectations of the folks that we'd be recruiting and ultimately appointing to this group? All right. Um, well, let, let's continue. Oh, Sarah? Well, I didn't have a comment about that, but I had a comment just in general. I think Ms. Sela said about not putting it in policy. I would agree with that. I think there's a lot of detail in here, and we already have the policy that creates these committee, district committees, and I think that allows flexibility, not putting it in it. I would agree to put it in the board manual. Okay. Um, seems like a better place to put it. Thank you. Anything else? About either of the two pages? All right, well, I'll update it with these comments here, get those to the board so they can review it again, then we'll uh, work towards a final version of this in either our next meeting or the meeting thereafter. Okay. All right. Great. Thanks. Thank you for the conversation. We move on to item four, which is our consent agenda for tonight. There's a consent agenda with various items published uh, in advance. Uh, before I seek a motion to approve the consent agenda, I'll ask any board members if they would like anything removed for specific and individual consideration. Reverend Guy. I'd like to remove 406, please, from the consent agenda. All right, removing item 406. Okay. Anyone else? Yes, Ms. I Zila. move approval of the consent agenda as amended. Thank you. Second. Thank you. It was moved by Mrs. Zila, seconded by Mrs. Goodburn. All those in favor of approving the consent agenda minus item 4.06, please say aye. 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 And those opposed say nay. And that's approved 6-0. We now move to item 4.06, and uh, this is a change order regarding the project at the Aquatic Center. And uh, I'll first turn to Reverend Guy. Any questions? And then we'll, uh, we'll certainly let the staff speak to it. I was just curious for an update and a chance to ask some questions of Dr. Atha. Um, I, 
don't know how common it is that we get to this point in a project and the city then gives us all of these changes we have to make um, that you know add up to $100,000. So I was just curious how typical this is, if this is still keeping us on budget, um, just those kinds of things I'd like to know more about. It's a good question. I think it's a fair question. Um, uh, I want to emphasize that 100% of the aquatic center is being paid for out of bond, out of bond funding. My mic wasn't on. 100% <laughs> of this aquatic center is being paid for out of bond funding, um, and I think the the aquatic center um, when you when you're talking about a change order here. I want to emphasize too, we've had a very good partnership. Over time, we've built a good partnership with the city of Lenexa. If you recall, they donated the land for the aquatic center where it sets, cost of about a million dollars. And the parking garage, they paid for half of the parking garage. I'm going to invite uh, Bob Robinson up to answer some specific questions and more specifically your question. But I will tell you that this is about a $99,000 change order, of which 58,000 of it, as you said, was required by the city of Lenexa. It has to do mostly with landscaping. The other 40-some thousand dollars has to do with adding some additional seating as well as charging stations. Um, and I think uh, Mr. Robinson can speak more specifically to that. But I. I don't think it's that uncommon to have a change order in a project of this magnitude, but I'll let Mr. Robinson address it more specifically. Uh, yes, and, and as Rick said, the city of Lenexa has been great to work with. Uh, we've had a real good working relationship with them, and we'll be sharing in the cost of the garage as we move forward on maintaining it. It was a little surprising to get this at the last, at the last minute. They seemed to think that it was in the scope. J.E. Dunn and my architect felt it wasn't in the scope. We had numerous conversations, and basically it boiled down to something we had to do for that for, to get our final occupancy permit. Uh, but as I said, the city of Lenexa has been great to work with. I wasn't real happy with this, but th they've been a real good partner for us. Yes, Reverend Guy. So, um, so does this keep us still within our budget? I assume there's a contingency in the budget for some... Yes, we, we had a contingency built into the bond budget that will we'll cover this. So okay. we and there are right. monies in the bond account to cover this? Correct. Okay. We're, we're definitely within our budget. Mrs. Housley. Um, and this was the bond that was passed four years ago by voters when that went out. And I think I asked you earlier, what was the percentage of voters that voted on this? 83% of our patrons in our community supported the $223 million bond in January 2015. Okay, thank you. Mrs. Elam. I have one comment here. I think the thing that was glaring, you know, we don't like to see change orders come late either. We've got right. the dedication on the calendar now. But it's change order number two. And through all of the building projects that I've been through here, it's like, well, here's change order 54. And so to have change order number two come at this late date is pretty phenomenal, I think, in itself. And I think uh, that's a credit to you and your team that have built that wonderful facility. Thank you. And we, we always strive to do better, but it, it really, I think you'll be real proud of the facility once we open up. Great. Thank you. Thank you.
Are the board member questions on the item? Thank you. I'll seek a motion to approve item 4.06. So moved. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. Second. Thank you, Mrs. Owsley. Any additional questions? All those in favor, please say aye. 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 Those opposed, nay. And that is approved six to zero. We move on to um, other action items under five, and this is item 5.01, and this is a, a policy that we're looking at reviewing. Mrs. Goodburn referenced it earlier. I'll turn to Mrs. Goodburn for a little more background on this. Well, you can see up on your screen right now kind of um, the policy actually and some of the comments. Basically, um, we updated um, this policy GAA a, to reflect the changes that we made with AC non-discrimination to include, include those protected classes with the same language that uh, is in uh, that, that policy. And then KSB recommended some other policy or, or some other um, changes to the policy as well. And then just some of them are actually just updates for the contact information. So we would uh, like to see approval. And was that a motion? That was a motion. Thank you, Mrs. Goodberg. In that kind of strange language, and but yes. Thank you, Mrs. Zila. All right, um, additional comments. This has been uh, discussed at the uh, policy review committee level. Did you say I seconded? I did. I think it's Mrs. Owsley. I stand corrected, Owsley Mrs. Owsley. Yes. Seconded, thank you. Um, this was brought forward by the policy review committee. They are the ones that are uh, moving it forward for consideration. Any board member questions? Seeing none, all those in favor, please say aye. Aye. aye and opposed nay. And that is approved six to zero. We move on to uh, board comments, item six on our agenda. I'll turn to board members with comments from this evening's meeting. Tazila. I have one comment. I am worrying, I have voted today and I see you have as well. Um, Walk-in voting is open voting. Advanced voting, that's the word, um, has started today. So I would encourage you to get out there or at least be sure and show up next Tuesday to cast your votes. Thank you. Other board comments, Reverend Guy. Uh, last week was a tough week for the Pawnee community. On Wednesday, a hate group targeted the school and I just wanted to say a thank you to the principal, Justin Green, and the teachers there, the parents, and the district itself um, for helping facilitate the start of the school day for students who didn't have to face those messages on their way to school. The district hired extra buses and drivers to make sure that every child had the opportunity to get to school a different route and didn't have to go by the front and see those horrible signs. Um, and so I was there with parents and some teachers in the back of the school greeting all the students as they came off buses. There were also parent volunteers who were walking children to school that day. Um, the whole community just came together and I think made it a very positive start to the day and didn't give any attention to the group who wanted attention out in the front. Um, there were several people from the district there on, on hand just to make sure that everything went smoothly. So I thank Dr. Atha and Chief Douglas and um, Mr. Smith and Dr. Bates for being there as well, just making sure that um, all the students had a great start to the day. Uh, so that was Wednesday, and then Thursday, of course, was the horrific accident in which the four students were hit by the car as they were walking to school. And um, 
the Pawnee PTA has posted on their Facebook page that if people want to drop off cards for the families of those students, they can drop them off at the school and the school will make sure that the families get those. Um, other people have been asking about giving gift cards and they said you're more than welcome to drop those off as well, especially for uh, grocery stores or places that might deliver food since the family is going to be caring for some long-term needs as these students recover. Um, so, uh, you know, it was, it was two very tough days for Pawnee, but they came together as a community, and I was so glad for all the support um, and help that people provided. So thank you. Thank you. Other board members? Any students with us at this point in the meeting? There we go. Thank you for being here and for sticking it out. We appreciate that. Um, feel free to come up and get a signature from Dr. Atha. Uh, and that'll prove that you were here because you, you stuck it out. We appreciate that. Can I ask what, uh, what school and what program you're here from? I'm from Shawnee Mission. All right. Great. Thank you. Anyone else? All right. Our next meeting is uh, November 11th, and I'll turn to Mrs. Owsley for a motion for executive session. I move we go into executive session to discuss negotiations pursuant to the exception for employer-employee negotiations under COMA, and the board will reconvene in the boardroom in 45 minutes, which will put us at 8.30. Um, second. Thank you. It's been moved and seconded to move to executive session as stated. All those in favor, please say aye. 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 All those opposed, nay. That approves 6-0. There will be no other business taking place after that part of the meeting, so thank you for being here. Yep.